Welcome to the Forecast F1 podcast and this week we talk about the United States Grand Prix as well as the scores for the Forecast F1 game. But I'd like to start by saying happy birthday to you, Sam. You must have had a great weekend with friends and family in Montreal as well as seeing a sprint weekend. Well, thank you very much for the wishes. And and yes, it was a very great weekend, um, very special weekend to have family here to fly in and visit me. It also happened to be my mother's birthday, so it was great that we celebrated it. And yeah, I had to uh, make time. It was very important. I cannot miss a sprint weekend or F1 race at all, for that matter. So a lot to do, but I'm eager to talk about it. Well, Sam, that does sound like a great weekend, but who arguably had an even better weekend was our guest who's here with us for the second time. Um, Maeve, you spend your weekend in Austin, Texas. Yes, I did. Um, first off, happy birthday, Sam. And second off, thank you both so much for having me back on the podcast. I'm really excited to yeah, talk about my experience in Austin and talk about all the stuff that happened during the sprint and the race this weekend. Cool. How was the general feel of the weekend? How was the how was you know how was the vibe over there? Um. Wow. I have like so many thoughts on that. First of all, I, it was my um, first ever Formula One race, so need to provide that context uh, to the listeners. But it it was insane actually seeing every single uh, attendee there in person. Like I feel like when you watch on TV and they're like, you know, telling you how many. Uh, attendees are there like 400,000 450,000 you don't really realize how many people that is until you're actually there like you know it's just like everything was so crowded there's people everywhere um it was so hot in Austin too I was like I knew it was going to be hot but I was not prepared for how hot it was and so just like being outside for you know eight hours straight was kind of a marathon um in it of itself um, and then, yeah, the vibe was, the vibe was awesome though. Like everyone was, was so friendly and so it was a lot of fun. Yeah. That does sound like a weekend packed of, of a lot of things. Uh, let's, let's get started talking about it. Sam, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the track? Like, uh, like we always do. I guess we can. Uh, so the track CODA, which is a circuit of the Americas is the, is the abbreviated for it. It has three sectors, two DRS zones. There is 20 corners on this track and 56 laps in total when it comes to the race. Maeve, like being actually physically at that track. And I mean, I know that obviously at the grid, you have that big dip. Like what what was it like physically being there and seeing the track and the layout itself? Yeah, I will say you... You know, everyone talks about how hilly Coda is and whatnot, but when you are there, you actually really get a sense of how steep some of the hills are, but you really don't get a sense of that until you're actually there. And I think one of the really cool things about the track is that when you're, you know, in different areas, you can see, you know, the track that's closest to you, but then you can also see corners that are much further away. So at one point I was around like turn three or something and far off in the distance, you can also see turn one. So it's kind of cool to be able to see multiple parts of the track um, at any given point. So you were at different, you were different turns during the weekend or you were, you were at one spot or. Um, I was in a few different places. So for Friday um, I was Mm -hmm. closer towards around, like I was, I was in GA, so I wasn't in any of the grandstands, but I was, I was near turn 19 um, on 
Friday, I kind of hung out in that area of the track. And then on Saturday, I was around turn like three through six area. So kind of like the other side of the track. So did you spot Max going over track limits at turn 19 on Friday? <laughs> I wish I did, but I think it happened way too quickly for me to actually notice um, in person. Yeah, that would be a little tough. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And on TV, you're like, oh my God, so obvious. And then when you're there in person, you're like, wait, a car just went by? Like it happened so quickly. What was your... I think that's um, a good description of how it feels when you're at the track. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking because that, that's what I was going to ask is what was your... First, because being being the first time there or seeing these cars live, like what was your initial thoughts when you saw those cars, when you heard them? Yeah. And saw the. Yeah, I think it's I mean, it was like exhilarating. I think it's interesting because the the like initial takeaways that I had were like, A, they're so much faster in real life or like faster, you know, in person than how it seems on the TV, just because a camera is tracking along with them. So you don't really get that sense of how fast they're actually going. Um, and so watching it, I was like, okay, it's like actually insane that they're that they're going this fast. It was insane when I watched on TV, but it's even more insane in person. Um, and I also think the noises of the cars themselves sound different in real life as opposed to like the sound on TV. I think on TV or like in real life, sorry, I think they sound more like real cars, if that makes sense. Like in terms of hearing the downshifting and some of the like sputtering of the engines. It, it sounded more like a real car to me than the way it sounds on TV. Um, I don't know if that really makes sense. And then the other cool part that I really liked was actually sensing during the race, like the difference in time. So like when you're watching on TV, you're like, oh, three seconds. But when you're in, in real life, you really feel those three seconds go by um, between the different cars. And I, I think that was also really cool to to witness in person too. Plus adding to that, I, I remember in Canada, one of the things that, because you're talking about the sounds, one thing that I noticed was that on television, they most of the cars all sound the same and they actually sound quite diff different from one another. Yeah. Like if you have the Ferrari, it sounds different to the Aston Martin, sounding different to the McLaren. I, I really could tell them apart a little bit when, when I was there and that was not something that I, I realized on television. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a really good part. Our point, sorry, Anton, is, is yeah, the, you really notice the difference between the between the cars. I recognize that as well when we were in Canada or when we were at the race. <laughs> I am in Canada, I guess, but anyways. <laughs> Fair enough. Let, let's maybe talk a little bit about the updates of the different teams. Um, I feel that there were three teams with, with large updates. First of all, Haas, who... Well, a lot of people mentioned that they were going towards the Red Bull side of um, of things, but then again, um, their side pods looked a little like the the 2022 Ferrari side pods or the current Aston Martin side pods. They had um, they had different cool ducts. They had an update uh, an update on the on the side pod inlet, which which did look a lot like the Red Bull ones. And we had updates on the Aston Martin, who didn't have a lot of time during free practice one to to actually test him. Uh, very little track time for both uh, Alonso and Stroll. And Mercedes, who came with a new floor for both Lewis and George. Um, Lewis saying straight away after the Friday that he was very excited about it. And uh, George felt that he was a little bit less comfortable with it at the beginning. But... Um, well, I think uh, we're going to talk about floors a little bit later on as well, <laughs> because <laughs> a little foreshadowing. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> uh, that's 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 hard to uh, avoid. I feel, but um, yeah, I don't know. Um, 
Maeve, you did you feel anything about the excitement for, for Haas's updates? Because going into the weekend, a lot of people were talking about that and that Haas would actually you know, come with an update that would really make a difference. Um, how, how, in general, was the feel around that? One thing I always wonder is that, like, do people in the US or, or especially at, at Austin actually um, mostly support the American team? Or is it like, like how, how's the vibe? in that regard yeah it's interesting you say that because it's i almost feel like it was like an afterthought that this was Haas's like home track or home race i guess like i think on tv they were kind of continually saying that and i i'm sure like in the build-up to the weekend they did some events around austin and whatnot but on the track like at the race itself i feel like there were not an overwhelming number of Haas fans I actually think the like most prevalent fan base that I saw there were all Checo fans like everywhere that I went was people like cheering for Checo every time he went around the track or like wearing stuff like uh his merch or carrying around a Mexican flag and so I thought that was kind of interesting that that was actually like the most prevalent fan base that I saw and I feel like Haas was kind of yeah a definitely underwhelming at the track at least it didn't really seem like they had a huge fan base there which was surprising that's definitely interesting and i and i imagine being uh also the proximity that texas is to mexico it it probably gives the ability for a lot more fans and and easier for for a lot more fans checo fans to be able to come but i but i that that's really interesting that uh, there wasn't so much a uh, a base with with Haas. I think that's a good question, Anton. Just because of of where they technically are based out of, we we saw Red Bull with with an interesting livery as well, didn't we? And I believe that they've decided to maintain that livery throughout all the the remaining. I guess throughout. Well, I was about to say remaining. My brain is is apparently not on, not completely put together today. But anyways, uh, there is one more race in the states, which is. Vegas, so I believe that they're going to maintain that livery as well. But I'm pretty so. sure they're doing a, a separate livery for Las Vegas. I'm I'm pretty sure because there was like this voting thing. I think you're right. On no, you're right. And I, and I saw a couple of really really stunning designs. So I'm I'm yes. quite curious uh, for how that's going to look. And of course, Williams and Haas also both had uh, different liveries on their car this weekend, uh, yes. which which yes. which looked kind of exciting. Especially also the the the, the race suits of um, Kevin and uh, Nico look look quite good i felt but um yeah, yeah all right too. let's let's talk a little bit about uh, <laughs> fp1 uh i already mentioned that uh, yeah aston martin had very little track time uh the new mercedes floor and um i was wondering so you said you were around turn 19 so i doubt that you've actually seen it live but did you see uh, on the screen uh piastri almost crashing in turn nine uh mave uh, when you were there on friday no i i feel like i've missed pretty much all of FP1. Um, I feel like that's something to have, that's really hard to have context on when you're at the racetrack itself. And we were kind of near a, a screen, but it was hard to kind of see what was going on live um, and whatnot. So I was trying to pull some of the timing up um, on my phone itself, but I was more so just like, oh, there, you know, there goes one car, there's, there goes another car. It was harder to keep track of things during FP1. So I was trying to read some updates um, updates before this. But yeah, I totally missed that with Piastri, actually. Yeah, plus, of course, it's the first 
session you're actually seeing live so i mean it's it's so much in your face that it's also hard to keep track i remember that too like the first time seeing a, a free practice session i think i, I missed basically everything <laughs> that happened i was just and in, in, in all yeah. of the car so yeah i can i can kind of picture that all right so let's let's get into uh qualifying um, we saw going into qualifying out in Q1, we had uh, Sargent, Stroll, Albon, Alonso, and uh, Hulkenberg, which for Alonso, this is the first time that he has, uh, he's been out in Q1 this year. Yeah, kind of disappointing to see both Aston Martins out and, um, and also both Williams um, and Hulkenberg, which was surprising that he was, um, again, I mean, recently, because he started out this year being very, very good at qualifying and out-qualifying Magnussen almost at every single race. But recently, he seems to struggle a little bit more to get the upper hand on, on Magnussen. So I thought that was interesting. And, um, and yeah, um, well, that was Q1. We went into Q2, which, um, which was also... Well, I, I don't know. Um, I felt that um, Ricardo was a little bit unlucky with um, going over track limits and having his time deleted. We saw Perez just making it through. I think he was 10th uh, and, and thereby just got into Q3, but it was tight. Uh, I think it was 18 thousandths of a second that he, uh, that he, he well, that got him into Q3. So, um, so again, uh, <laughs> for all those Checo fans out there, um, I guess uh, a little bit of a, of a getaway into Q3 for Checo. Um, what about qualifying, Maeve? Did you did you could you really register um, the different timings and and be able to see who was in and out of of the different sessions, or was it tough? Yeah, I'd say I was. So it was definitely like tracking, I guess, who was out and who was in, but it was really hard to see. The timings because of course we're qualifying the timings are what's most important and so, so you don't even necessarily care uh, as much about the positions but like okay what you know what are the timing differentials here how's like this sector versus this sector versus you know the third sector going and whatnot and so i think it's hard to live um to get some of that context and even if there's a screen near you i was like okay i can see you know, what's happening live and I can hear what the commentators, I could actually hear really easily what the commentators were saying, but I don't know, I guess I'm also a really visual person. So it's nice to be able to actually see the timing, um, up as well. And so I was trying to pull it up, um, pull up F1 TV on my phone, which I feel like is always probably tricky at a F1 race because the service was not that great. Um, and whatnot. So that did make it a little tricky, but I was able to kind of like stay on top of what was going on but i don't think it was like i was getting as much information as i you know would get if i was at home which i guess isn't too strange i mean i guess going to the track is making the decision of seeing them live and not being as up to date with everything that's happening i guess that's a that's a pretty normal thing um so um yeah we had um well, I mentioned Ricardo, who who got track limits so he didn't make it out of q2 neither did magnuson um the both of the Alfa Romeos didn't either, but Joe did out-qualify Bottas, uh, Tsunoda on P11, and then, yeah, like I said, Pires by P10, making it into Q3. And then we saw a pretty exciting Q3 session, uh, I think, Sam. what, uh, what, um, How did you see that? 
Yeah, I thought that it was a fantastic qualifying session. Uh, very, very close. And uh, really exciting to see the uh, top four. There wasn't Verstappen there. And it's just, it's nice to see a change It's once in a while. And, and you're seeing, you, you could see the fact that clearly the upgrades with Mercedes and for all these teams that didn't really have uh, much time to absorb any practice with the upgrades that they had, you do you see that Haas and um, Aston Martin had clearly struggled with that. But in the case of Mercedes and specifically Hamilton, he was really able to. You could you could tell that he was he was had some pace in the car. But ultimately, it was nice to see Leclerc securing pole. Uh, Norris just narrowly missing out. So there was the pace there for Lando. And um, unfortunately for Piastri, though, his, his teammate, he finished in 10th. I, was, I had high hopes going into this based on his trajectory recently that both McLarens were going to do pretty well. So I think he was struggling a bit. And, uh, and, and so was Russell, but more so, I guess, towards um, the sprint, sprint shootout. But either way, it was, it was nice to see for a change a few different faces up at the top of the grid. Ah, definitely, pretty mixed up. Uh, that was that was definitely good to see. Um, yeah, uh, I think both of us had a little bit more faith in Piastri. Looking at our uh, predictions too, but we'll get to, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that later. Um, yeah, uh, of course, Verstappen didn't uh, qualify on pole mostly because of not making it because of being over the track limits at turn nineteen. Um, he would have made pole, but then again, yeah, track limits are track limits. Um, we've seen that time and time again this year. And uh, yeah, Leclerc making it with a um, with a very good time. I think it was a, a one thirty four seven two three that got him pole. And um, and yeah, you said the, not for stopping in the first uh, four, but not even in the first five because Russell yeah. just on that last lap also uh, managed to uh, qualify ahead of uh, Verstappen. So yeah, definitely uh, uh, an exciting grid. Uh, I guess we all thought um, going into uh, well ending the Friday, and um, and yeah. In between, we had a standalone Saturday with a sprint. So do we want to move on to then the sprint shootout since we have so much to talk about? <laughs> yeah, I guess we can. Uh, how did you, um, Maeve, you went to, so you said you were at um, turn 19 on the Friday and then you went to, to, I don't really recall, you said turn three or turn six where you went on the Saturday? Yeah, so Saturday was actually kind of an interesting day because um, one of my friends who I was actually staying with who, like, invited us to to stay with them for the GP weekend um, had access to the paddock that morning. And so we actually were able to go in during that sprint qualifying session. Um, and so I didn't actually – or the sprint shootout. So I didn't actually see much of um, the sprint qualifying because we were – in the paddock area and the way we were like finding out who was out was basically like which drivers were, were walking down the paddock area. We were like, okay, there's Yuki, I guess he's out, um, et cetera. But so I didn't really get to watch, uh, the shootout as much, but it was really cool to be able to like have that experience of, of being in the paddock, seeing some of the drivers, um, like up close in person, etc. And then later for the actual sprint is where I was around, um, turn three. Did did I see you get a, a autograph from Leclerc? Yes, I did. Yeah, I did. It was like actually totally insane. We um saw him walking down. I had my Ferrari hat and I had bought like a it was a black Ferrari hat and I bought a silver Sharpie ahead of time. I was like just in case um 
this happens. And it was kind of interesting because obviously everyone's trying to get a picture with him. And he walked past me and I was like, oh man, I missed my opportunity. Like I messed this up. And then he like, note, he was like taking a picture with someone noticed that I was kind of holding the hat out and asked for a signature and he like turned back and, you know, like signed it and whatever. And was like super nice. Um, I was actually like, wow, I thought he was going to totally blow by me, but he like stopped and was like, of course I'll sign it and, and whatever. So that was definitely a highlight. That's awesome. I saw the video on your on your Instagram. Um, for, for anybody who wants to who wants to see it, it's it's final corner with the I being a, a number one uh, to find Maeve's Instagram. But yeah, it's 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 really cool to see. Like he he actually does walk past and he he steps back. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Really, really That's nice. That's so cool. Yeah, it, it's moments like those that you know, especially if it's your first it's your first time being in a race and what a, what an experience as well even though yeah you may have missed the shootout but what an experience to be in the paddock and and to see how all the all the workings behind the scenes so to speak and then to have that experience as well where you just so happen to get the ferrari hat and it's leclerc that steps back and signs it that's a memory that definitely would be etched in your mind that's awesome i know i was like i i don't think i can go to another gp now because nothing's gonna top that experience <laughs> yeah it'll be pretty pretty hard to top that <laughs> yeah but it was it was it was cool to see that whole area and i mean crazy to see immediately after the drivers finish their shootout you know some are probably like super disappointed like signs i think didn't have a great result which i'm sure we can talk about more in a second but it's just kind of crazy to see the drivers who like you know probably don't want to talk to anyone and they're getting like you know everyone's around them trying to get a picture trying to get an autograph and it i don't know it's just like a weird element to the sport that you don't think about um as much that was interesting to see and then the other interesting like really random thing was that when the drivers are doing their interviews it's actually so hard to hear them in real life but over the TV, you can hear them so clearly, but they're actually talking like really quietly to the point where it's you almost like can't hear them um, in real life, which I thought was kind of interesting. You know, when you think about their just overall the race week, what what you mentioned there, the the fact that they can have uh, they they may have a, a really difficult session, and then they still have to be on, so to speak. Yeah, they, they have to. They're, they see the fans and then they also have to do the interviews afterwards. I mean, it's mandatory. I believe if you don't, the, you get fined. The, the, the mental game you can only imagine is, is so such a huge element of this sport because coupled with the pressure and, and just simply being a Formula One driver and, and the pressure that comes from, from that alone. And then the, the element that you mentioned, the fact that you also have to balance the uh the media side of it and the fan side of it and there's so much that plays a part in it it's it's uh sometimes remarkable to imagine being you you can never fully uh picture what it would be like to be in their shoes and especially on a challenging uh weekend if you've had one yeah exactly yeah no that's a good point because i i remember last time out when stroll uh, was giving that interview after going out in in q1 i think it was in uh, qatar you know everybody talks about it afterwards so you know you give one interview that's perhaps a little bit uh yeah not not so nice and then and then everybody talks about it i mean so did we during our podcast and it is true you're right in the moment where you actually have to process like a very difficult moment and, and then you need to talk to the media it's not it's not something very easy then again 
I mean, they do get paid a lot of money, so I guess <laughs> it is their job, I guess. <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> and so it is ours to go over their performances. So, so let's talk a little bit um, about that uh, sprint there. shootout. <laughs> Sorry, Sam, what did you say? Oh, I, I said that's a very nice way that you tied that all together. Full circle moment. Right. So let's let's uh, <laughs> talk a little bit about the sprint shootout. Uh, we had Q1 where, again, Sargent finished just like he did on the race qualifying on uh, on P20. And um, we saw then the next two drivers, Tsunoda and Bottas, being outperformed by, um, by, uh, yeah, by Ricardo and Joe, who both did make it into Q2. So I thought that was slightly surprising. And this time, both Haases didn't make it into, into Q2. So um, both Magnussen and Hülkenberg were out. We, um, we went into Q2, which... Um, which saw Max actually spinning in turn nine. Um, that was quite a moment, Sam. You know, it reminded me of, I, I forget, you'll, you, hopefully uh, one of you can remember exactly the track where he, where he spun and then just perfectly just kept gliding along. It was almost, it was almost uh, reminiscent of, I, I believe it was a year or two ago where that, that happened. So uh, yeah, what, a, what an interesting, what a, what a spin and a recovery. <laughs> It was exactly a year ago, but I don't recall exactly which race, rainy race. I don't remember uh, the track. It's, but you know exactly yeah. the, the moment that I'm talking about, of course. I just can't remember that the track is, is not on the forefront of my mind right now. But it was a similar situation, and it was a recovery that uh, it, it was just very similar. So that's, it, it reminded me of that, um, his reaction time. I think time, it was in Hungary I, last year, if I just... All right. Uh, I feel it's hungry because that was a rainy race. But anyway, we'll have to yeah. look at it. We'll have to look <laughs> back later. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, was... yeah, it didn't really cause any any damage or anything uh, in the end. But it was a little bit of a yeah, a heart in throat moment. Um, <clears throat> what I di what I did think was um, quite um, well. I don't know. I was uh, impressed with Albon um, because of not you know not getting into Q two on the race qualifying, but making it into Q three in the sprint qualifying that was uh, that was quite exciting of course it was at the expense of ricardo because if he wouldn't have set that time we would have seen uh, ricardo actually in q3 but uh, but yeah albon did so i thought that was a very very strong performance from him absolutely then we went into q3 and um well in the end verstappen did make it uh, on pole where he didn't do that on friday he was able to do that on the saturday uh, leclerc missed pole by about half a tenth uh, 55 thousands of a second so it was pretty close uh, Hamilton and Norris were on P3 and P4 were also pretty close and then there was a bit of a gap towards the rest we had uh, Piastri and uh, Sainz on P6 like you said Maeve he, he had a slightly more disappointing qualifying uh, we saw Perez on P7 so uh, qualifying P9 for the race and, and P7 for the sprint that wasn't really a very high class um performance if you ask me uh, in that red bull and uh russell again not really being up there uh, he had a difficult race qualifying had a difficult sprint qualifying as well on p8 and albon actually managed to uh, set a quicker time than gasly so we had p9 albon and p10 gasly uh, who had a pretty nice helmet design if you ask me um yeah, he did. There's a few With nice helmet designs. Yeah, actually, Norris had a special helmet. Mm -hmm. Leclerc had a special helmet where mm -hmm. he actually had... A, I guess you'd be able to tell the difference between the two... Ferraris from a distance on the track, no, Maeve, with uh, with Leclerc's helmet. Yeah, 
<laughs> That's true. Yeah. I like his helmet. I thought the green, I love when it's just like super high contrast to the car. So like the exactly. green pops. I will say, I think Albon has my, has the fate, like the best helmet out of the whole grid. I love his helmet. Yeah, but I yeah, I do he, also like this contrast. It makes it yeah. very easy to pick out who the driver yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, I I yeah. I don't like. I remember last year. I'm thinking what what helmet Stroll has. Does he have the same helmet as he did last year? Because he had this the exact Aston Martin color as a helmet mm. in the car. I don't like that. I wanted to stand. Yeah, out. I agree. Yeah, I, I found that um, when the the first time I ever went to a, to uh, to a race a few years back, I did general admission as well. And so where I was standing, it it made it so much easier with the contrast, like you mentioned, to be able to recognize exactly who was going past. So, I mean, for anyone that had a, uh, at that point you had, I believe, Lewis still stuck to the neon color. And I mean, he stood out. You yeah. always knew, yeah. <laughs> knew when Lewis was coming. And so any any driver that seems to have that, uh, it, it is definitely a, a one that, it looks pretty cool on the track. It really does. So what did you do in between the shootout and the sprint on the Saturday, Maeve? Was it, I, I guess, you know, it's the U.S. There must be a lot of entertainment. <laughs> yeah, there definitely was. I think um, we were, like, I cannot... I cannot emphasize enough how hot it was. Like, I was literally sweating at all times, trying to find shade and water. Um, so, it, although on Saturday, there was a bit more um, cloud cover and breeze, which was nice. But I think what we did between the two was went, walked around, looked at some of the different um, merch stores, which was, I mean, it's kind of absurd to see the pricing of of the merch in real life. Like, I was going to buy my friend a hat and then I realized it was $90. So I was like, you should probably just buy this online. Um, but we did go to the, <laughs> we went to the quote unquote outlet, which I think is so funny that they have that um, where it's like old designs or, you know, like Lance Stroll's Williams hat, which like could be kind of a cool, like vintage vibe. I was trying to find some old um, Daniel Ricardo Red Bull merch, but they didn't have any of that. Um, so we kind of checked out some of that. Went to get food, which I feel like was like semi-controversial. It was all very like Austin barbecue, like meat type stuff, which is kind of cool um, if you want to have like authentic, you know, barbecue food. But it was so hot that I was like, the last thing I want right now is like meat. You know what I mean? Like I was like, I kind of just want like a watermelon or something. Um, but anyway, we got, we got, we got some like, you know, pulled pork sandwiches and uh, like an all honor, sorry, an Arnold Palmer um, drink and stuff like that. So that was fun. And then we kind of like walked around to try to scope out where the best place um, to watch would be from. So that was like some, that was some of the stuff that we were doing. And then in between, there's obviously some of the other support races, racing stuff going on. So like the F1 Academy um, had some had some racing as well, so it was fun to be able to watch that um, as we were doing everything else. That was actually kind of cool. I, I watched all the the qualifying and the three races of the F1 Academy, and I, and I thought it was actually quite exciting. To be honest, I I didn't I don't know I was kind of skeptic beforehand, mostly because of the type of cars that they're using, which are basically just like Formula Four cars, so they're not that. Um, yeah, they're not that powerful, but it was actually very good racing, to be honest. I, I enjoyed it. 
And and we saw the first F1 Academy champion crowned, Marta Garcia. True. Yeah. No, it was very nice to see. And I'm, I'm glad that they are actually having it as a feature race yeah. during an F1 weekend, which which gives it a lot more attention than it did beforehand. So so excited to see that going into the 24 season as well. Yeah. I, I, the one thing we've talked about it before in the past, the one thing that I would really, well, there's several things I would love to see when it comes to something like the F1 Academy. But one more importantly is that I hope that we're able to see a little bit more uh, more races on the TV because I, I think it was really great to have that as a part of this weekend. And it would be even better if that was something that was broadcasted more than once. And I think it will because, I mean, they're all feature races next year on the yeah. F1 calendar. I'm not well, yep. by heart, but I know they're going to uh, Saudi Arabia. They're going to Qatar and to Abu Dhabi, three very women-friendly countries. And um, to Zandvoort, and they're going to, I don't recall the other ones, but um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be exciting to see him during the same weekend. And uh, because, you know, if you, if you have, um, if you're one of those fans that are going full out on a Formula One weekend and you're, you're sitting behind the TV the whole weekend, you're watching the feature races, whichever ones they are, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's good to have that on and to be able to watch it because, yeah, uh, you know, just the, the teams, the Formula One teams supporting it, but not being able to watch it on television doesn't make a lot of sense. So, uh, so it's good to have the combination of those two things. So I guess let's move along. We we touched on the sprint shootout and the fact that uh, just briefly that Max took pole position for the sprint race and then following him was Leclerc and Hamilton. And uh, the, the the tight it, tightness in terms of time between uh, your top three drivers there. So let's move along, I guess, into the sprint. One thing we should mention is, is that Russell, beginning with the sprint, he had a three-place grid penalty uh, after impeding Leclerc. So he dropped to 11th uh, to start the race. But let's talk about the sprint. Um, Maeve, you were able to watch the sprint, of course. So what were some of the highlights that you took out of it? Yeah, I think I kind of hit on this before, but I think the in terms of being in person, the coolest thing was actually seeing the difference in timing uh, between the drivers going past. Like you can really sense how big of a three second or even six second gap is in person. I think the thing that was the biggest surprise for me was actually how closely Lewis was able to follow Max throughout the, you know, the very beginning part of the sprint. I, my expectation was that, you know, Max was going to kind of drop Lewis pretty quickly, but Lewis was hanging in there, I think within DRS range. And then, you know, within three, seconds or so and then you know ended up finishing with a bit of a bigger gap but I was initially surprised by how close those two were um at the beginning stage of that sprint race yeah you're right he pulled the gap at the very end of the of that stint and he did he did manage to follow pretty pretty close and it, it was interesting actually that Lewis was um you know right after turn one where where Verstappen kind of closed the door on the inside on Leclerc Hamilton was able to take advantage of that and and be uh on p2 after after first turn um i felt that the mercedes were or well, especially lewis and, and and only lewis actually was really on fire in the first the first uh part of that well the, the whole weekend actually uh, i think he felt very good with that new floor 
Yeah, that I was I was going to say the exact same thing. I think you could see from very early on this weekend that uh, the upgrades have really worked with him and he is definitely comfortable at this track. He's notoriously comfortable at this track and seems to do well. So I, I think when you have those combinations factoring in, you could already tell that it was just, it was, he had a lot of momentum going in, uh, carrying him into the rest of this weekend to see exactly where he was going to end up in the race, which dun, 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 we'll get to, because, you know, there's going to be a lot to talk about when it comes to that. But either way, it was, it was uh, interesting. And I also would mention that maybe I, I really liked how you had filmed. I saw that post that you had put where you actually filmed the difference in time, how you would visually see it being at the track between Verstappen, Hamilton, and Leclerc. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I need to record this so I can reflect on this later. It was really, yeah, it was cool to see in person. And I don't think you, yeah, get that same sense when you're watching on TV. No, I was just going to say, it's a, it's a really interesting thing to mention because it really is true. When you're watching it on TV, you don't, notice exactly the difference in time because you're seeing the different angles and they're not showing exactly from you only capture that experience when you are standing there and seeing them go past you so having you highlight that i thought it was just an interesting thing to to project to people because it really is true and you grasp a better understanding of exactly what that time difference entails no, it's definitely something very difficult to grasp when you're behind the television. It's 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 exactly I think you mentioned it earlier, Maeve. It's it's because the 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 camera actually, you know, it's it's at a point and it zooms in, it zooms back, so you don't really get the the exact sense of how quick a car goes because of course the camera's trying to follow it. Otherwise, it would be very hard to watch a Formula <laughs> One race. But but because of that, you kind of miss out on that feeling of how how fast it really is and how quick it really is. Even I even felt that with not not just with the cars passing by, but also with pit stops. It's like this. You know, it's it's so it's so quick. Mm -hmm. um, I, we we were right uh, in in Canada. We were right opposite of the pit boxes, and it was just you know we I don't know. I filmed it also a couple of times just to mm -hmm. later go over how quick um, that goes. It's 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 unimaginable. It's it's very hard to realize if you haven't seen it live. Yeah, I think seeing a pit stop live would have been really cool. I didn't. A chance to see one because it's it's so true i'll be watching on the tv and i'm like this is this you think it's like the slowest experience ever and then it's like 2.5 seconds and you're like that's actually so quick but when you're watching on tv it just feels it feels like painstakingly slow sometimes it's wild to think that mclaren has the fastest pit stop so far this year and it's 1.8 seconds like it, just to even think of how that's possible is i i mean i i couldn't imagine it's hard to fathom i agree so um so going back to uh lap one and now that you mentioned the mclarens both <laughs> were overtaken by by signs uh on that first uh on that first lap actually piastri slightly touched with signs as well um then um then russell passes norris but on the outside of the track so um um, I don't know. I was expecting that he was going to give back the position uh, to um, to Norris, but then Gasly also overtook Norris, and so he couldn't really give it back directly, and he just went off. But he he went straight, and you could hear him. <laughs> you could hear him coming on the radio and saying that, uh, that yeah, uh, Norris pushed him off. Uh, he pushed me off. 
And then uh, on F1 TV, uh, David Coulthard actually responded by saying that, well, we're not too far away from, from Hollywood. So, <laughs> you know, I felt that was very, <laughs> that was a very on point comment because in the end, no, Sam, was that really, he wasn't being pushed off at all, right? He just overtook him outside the yeah. track. Yeah. And, you know, um, I guess I'll abbreviate his name because it just sounds so cool. But DC is... He he always likes he, he I I feel like he's getting more and more comfortable the more that he commentates during during weekends, and I loved I loved that because I thought that it was so well timed in that moment. So yeah, I I think that it was uh, I think he was just trying to hopefully gain an advantage in the situation. Right, and I think and I, and this is what I think commentators went over during the sprint as well is that it's actually it's it's kind of just a evaluation of whether that five seconds is going to actually hurt you at the end of the race because we've seen lots of times that five second penalties are given and uh, they do not really um, influence the final uh, position that you that you finish in because you have a five second gap towards the person behind you so it could have very well been just a calculated decision by mercedes just not to give it back and just to push on um especially after gasly overtook uh, the mclaren because yeah then it was just it didn't really make too much sense to give that position back because you're basically giving two positions back uh, for the price yeah. of one so so yeah, um, towards the middle of the the sprint, there was a couple of good fights. There was a good fight between uh, Tsunoda and Magnussen, and also later there was was uh, one between Joe and Magnussen, um, which actually ended in Joe cutting off Magnussen and and pushing him off track and getting a five second penalty for that. Um, but that was some good uh, some good <laughs> screen time for uh, for the Haas. Um, and you know, you know, if you're picking a fight with Magnussen, he's gonna he's gonna stick his elbows out. So, uh, so that was um, that was enjoyable to watch. Uh, we saw just a little bit after that, we saw um, Norris actually retaking that fourth place from Sainz because uh, what we didn't mention is that Sainz was the only car that started on soft tires, and um, that was a well, I don't know, it was a surprising decision, I suppose, because I don't think anybody, well, uh, you know, clearly nobody else thought that it would be doable to uh, do a, a competitive stint on the soft tire um, during the sprint. Um, but I did think it was interesting that uh, that Ferrari actually split the strategies, which is something I, I usually um, applaud because, you know, not only um, do you, well, you basically, yeah, <laughs> well, you split strategies. It's like it's, and, and not only that, but you also get a, a long stint on two different tires, which you can use for your knowledge on on you know on the race strategy on the next day, uh, knowing how long the soft tire will 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 keep out. And actually, I think it it Sainz was able to make it work for a little bit longer than we all thought. I mean, in the end, he had a very long fight with Russell. Uh, I think it was on lap 14 where where Russell first started to attempt to overtake Sainz, um, and in the end, he he never managed to do so. So I don't think that it was uh, all that bad for Sainz. I mean, of course. Um, it wasn't a very high. He, he finished six in the end. Um, it could have been better if he would have started on a medium tire. But uh, with hindsight, it's always easy to say these things. I thought it was it was quite an interesting fight. And in the end, of course, it wouldn't have mattered too much if Russell would have overtaken him because he did have that five second penalty, which actually made him drop to to P eight. Uh, Gasly also overtook him that way. It was actually very 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 tight for him to actually lose P eight to Albon as well because I think Albon was just about. 
a little below, a little under three tenths to also uh, make it work and get under the time penalty of Russell and make it to P8. So I was, uh, I know I would have liked to see that, but, but um, because that would have actually punished Mercedes's decision just to take that five second penalty rather than give the place back. But uh, I don't know this is turning in a very long monologue, Sam. You can you spread <laughs> your light a little bit on this? <laughs> but you know what? I I think that there's a there's a few points that you make that are really really important to mention and when it comes to ferrari it was a really really good point that you make about the fact that they decided to actually split the strategies because i was wondering i was quite surprised to see signs as the only one um on softs and obviously he was going to have a stronger start but just overall historically throughout this season we see tire degradation become a, a quite a large factor with ferrari so if we if we map out the um, previous sprint race and we utilize Russell as an example, although different cars, different track, but still nonetheless, he started on softs and he he gained a significant advantage in the beginning of the race, but or the sprint race, but um, he he just really struggled towards the back end and it resulted in him dropping down in finish. So I think that's a really interesting point that you mentioned because I wasn't thinking about that. I was just thinking about it from the simplistic face value of the tire degradation during that race and not really thinking forward on that. So no, I, I don't think you were rambling. I think you made some some pretty interesting thoughts there and that's one of them. Thanks. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, let, let's go over the, the final uh, classifying yeah, uh, positions for the sprint. So um yeah um in, in all that long monologue what I forgot to mention was that Verstappen finished first first <laughs> but um but but Maeve had already said that, and um, I, I don't know how how large the gap was in the end. Was it about nine seconds? I feel something like that uh, to him to Hamilton. Yeah, I think it was like nine seconds, which in the end is pretty sizable. I think. Yeah, of course. In the end, it's also difficult to tell how much the how much Verstappen is really you know uh, taking his foot off the gas mm. uh, or not. You know, so it's hard to tell whether the nine seconds could have been more or whether he was actually pushing. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, like you had mentioned, uh, Hamilton was able to actually follow for uh, for a very long time. He seemed to be on fire. We had uh, Leclerc um, finishing off that. Well, I don't yes, think yes. we call the podium, but uh, for this reason now I call it the podium. And okay, um, so... and we had Norris yep. uh, on P4. We had Perez finishing on P5. Um, then Sainz, uh, like we said, um, uh, managing to to finish before before both Gasly and Russell. Um, and those were the final points for the sprint. All right, so let's move into the race on Sunday. Um, I think, first of all, it was interesting that we didn't get to see 20 cars on the grid, but 16, because both Aston Martin and Haas decided that they should start both cars from the pit lane, uh, which I think uh, Stroll had a little, he, he might have missed that memo in the beginning um, because he, he, I think he went on to the grid. I don't think, well, in the end, I, I well, I was obviously at the end of the race, we were looking, uh, or at least I was looking at a lot of um, FIA documents just to see all the updates on other decisions, but um Thinking now, I don't think that Stroll was actually called to the stewards for that because I don't know these things usually don't go off 
bat well with the stewards. I was expecting at the beginning of the race that he would get a penalty for that, but in the end he didn't, which he was lucky not to because he actually had a pretty nice finishing position after everything or, that, uh, that that threw a gap into the pit wall. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's what maybe that's what differentiated between him getting a penalty because I, I I would feel like it he should it would make sense that he would get an, a penalty for sure if he had stayed and remained uh, on the starting grid as opposed to starting at the pit. Yeah, lane. they wheeled him so back maybe in. They, right. Maybe yeah. they. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, I would imagine that's probably why. But uh, but there's always a question mark when it comes to the penalties recently. <laughs> Right, and when and when it when it is and when it isn't handed out. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so on the Aston Martins, I think they decided that um, Stroll would have the updates on the floor, and Alonso wouldn't. So they would just use the race as a um, well, basically as a, a test to see whether the updates would work, yes or no. And um, I was thinking to myself, you know, uh, what if, <laughs> which didn't happen in the end because uh, Alonso retired and then Stroll managed to get a pretty good finishing position but i was thinking to myself if if alonso uh finishes higher than stroll does that necessarily mean that the floor doesn't work um or does it mean <laughs> that alonso actually is just you know genuinely a lot quicker than stroll is but uh but uh, the the floor does seem to work uh well, at least i conclude i don't know if aston martin draws the same conclusion <laughs> well you know what it's over the over recently you you saw Aston Martin st start so strong uh during the first part of the season and and clearly uh their car at the time was was definitely competitive and then as upgrades have progressed as they've continued to add upgrades they seem to really struggle uh especially through the middle part of this season so yeah if we're going to see a floor that's that's going to produce something that is a positive for them at this point that's great yeah i think they can use <laughs> that's they can use that yeah. for sure uh, Maeve, where did you yeah. where did you decide to be at uh, watching the race what uh, what part of the track were you on so we actually decided we made like a last minute decision to watch the race from home on sunday which i think actually was a nice call because we were i mean i was outside for like nine hours a day on Friday and Saturday. Um, and I think we're just so exhausted from, you know, being on your feet all day, being in the heat all day and whatnot. Um, and so it was actually kind of nice to watch from home. And I feel like I could actually like enjoy the race in terms of knowing everything that was going on, having the context of everything that was going on, being able to actually hear the commentary and whatnot. Um, and I will say I was, I was definitely the biggest F1 fan out of the group of friends that I was with. And so they were like, maybe you can go if you want, but we're going to watch from home. And so I was like, I guess I'll just watch from home uh, with everyone. But it was, it was fun. It was, it was kind of nice, honestly, to watch the actual race um, at home and be able, be able to keep tabs on everything. Okay. So that means you can actually, you know, talk up your opinion on what <laughs> happened on the first uh, on the first lap on the start because uh, it was quite a couple of things happening especially mm -hmm. yeah like we had mentioned not uh, for stopping not being in the first five starting positions what did you what did you make of the start yeah so i i don't know i think going into it everyone i think was pretty convinced that max was probably going to have a pretty easy time moving up the grid i was pretty hopeful that because of some of the qualifying times and you know how competitive qualifying was on Friday that, you know, maybe it wouldn't be that easy for him to make his way up the field. Um, I think the start was super exciting to see 
you know, I feel, God, you got to feel for Leclerc, but it was exciting to see Norris, you know, box his way into, into first place um, on turn one. And, and that was really exciting. And I think that moment alone, I mean, I don't know about you all, but I was really like, could this be the day that we see a Norris win? I was, I was kind of hoping for that after the, after the start. Well, I had somebody next to me on the couch who was really hoping that too. <laughs> and uh, I, I think there were a lot I more people. I may know that someone. <laughs> yeah, no, I think there was a lot of people who was hoping that. And I think in general, the, the, the whole question throughout the, especially the, the first part of the race was like, with what strategy would, would Norris and, and especially Hamilton as well yeah. uh, defend against against Verstappen? And, um, and you know, we, we could hear, hear on the radio um, that they were switching between different strategies, although we didn't know exactly which those strategies were. Um, we had thought for a long time, well, at the beginning, we thought that actually Hamilton might have been on a one-stopper, um, but, um, well, he decided to pit like four laps after Verstappen had, uh, had pitted because he just couldn't hold on longer on this tire. So that sort of pulled him in towards a two-stopper as well. But we thought that Norris for a long time uh, would be on a one-stopper, but eventually he also decided not to go for that. Um, but uh, but for a long time, that was, um, I don't know, it, it's been a while actually where we've seen, um, or, well, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm wrong here, but uh, I feel like this season, we haven't seen that many races where the front runners, or maybe it's just because Max was usually the front runner, but, you know, you don't see that many races where the front runners are actually betting, battling it out on different strategies. Um, I feel like, yeah, maybe Singapore, where the Mercedes has decided to take that extra pit stop and, and they uh, were chasing signs and Norris. That was one where the strategies were actually very different. But in general, we see a lot of the times that the strategies are very similar. And, and this was really a race where, in the end, the strategies were kind of similar but you didn't know that up until for a very long time and neither did the team so that made it that made it kind of exciting and in general it made it exciting that we had for stop and start like a little bit further back because i mean imagine if he would have been on pole i think the race would have been well would have had a very different feel to it <laughs> yeah that's definitely true and i want to get both of your thoughts about lewis's you know strategy strategy for the race because as you said for a while it seemed like they were trying to figure out if he could do a one-stop strategy and obviously delayed his initial pit stop because of that max undercut him and came out pretty like sizably ahead um to the point where where then by the time lewis pitted it seemed like they kind of fumbled the strategy a bit but I wanted to get both of your thoughts. Like, do you think they should have pitted him immediately to cover Max? Do you think they made the right call by trying to see if the one stop could potentially work? We obviously have the hindsight of what happened throughout the race and how close it could have potentially been. But what were your thoughts on that? Well, taking the disqualification aside and like disregard that part, I, I definitely agree with what you mentioned there. I think Mercedes kind of messed it up right over there because that two seconds that that Hamilton in the end finished behind Verstappen he he could have made that two, two seconds up if he wouldn't have pitted like four laps behind after Verstappen did so that cost him I think that cost him the two seconds um and yeah that way Verstappen undercut him and and um from that moment on it was an uphill battle for Hamilton which he actually he he exercised really really well like he I mean I, I I don't know, it's funny with Hamilton because he does complain quite a bit over the radio, but then on the other hand, in the meantime, he does get his head down and he does 
put in the lap times and i think it was about uh yeah it was like 16 laps before the end i was i was looking at the lap times and i saw that he was he was about eight seconds behind Verstappen, and he was like he was taking off a half a second uh per lap uh well a little bit less than that uh on, on Verstappen. so i was counting that like if he would do half a second a lap he would actually you know it would be a race up until the finish which it didn't happen to be in the end but um it was it was it would have been a good call if Mercedes would have just gone for that pit stop in the same or the lap after for stop and pitted. I think it was lap 16, 17, I'm thinking. Um, yeah, that would have been the right call. But yeah, again, yeah, with hindsight, these things are are, are easy, you know, aren't they, Sam? Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I'm on the same page when you say that just... If they had if they had pitted shortly after Verstappen, I think the two seconds would have made a considerable difference. And as for the race as a whole, I thought that he had uh, and and like you had mentioned, take disqualification aside, <laughs> I thought that he had a fantastic race. And if the some of the overtakes that he had, namely the overtake that he had on Norris, I thought that it was great. It, it was uh, he was hungry. He was driven. Yes, he has his moments, but. Uh, complaining on the radio but at the same time I mean we see that out of a lot of drivers and and we also see it uh, in some ways as pure strategy so it's it I I think that um, had that pit had that pit have happened earlier we would have seen a much more competitive situation towards the end of the race Uh, but he definitely he he definitely had some fire behind him all weekend it seemed and not to not to harp on Lewis Hamilton's race too much, but I think the other thing that people are talking about as well are um, the length of Mercedes pit stops. Um, and I know I think Lewis's pit stops were like oh they were both over three seconds. I can't remember the exact times, but it was like you know three point six, three point something. Um, and people were also pointing to the fact like you know if Mercedes had just had you know two second pit stops or even a two 2.5 second pit stops that could have also made the difference in that two seconds that it came down to at the end of the race and I was actually reading um a quote from Toto about their pit stops and kind of acknowledging that they need to revamp their pit stop strategy um because he said our mindset in the last 12 years is that we don't need to be world champions in pit stops which I thought was pretty interesting because Mercedes strikes me as a team that they're like we need to be the best at everything. And so I, I just found that specific quote about their mindset super interesting. It is interesting indeed, because it's always this it's you know, if you look at the pit stops, it's always the same teams usually that are fast and the same teams that are not. So it's you know, it's this it's this thing that is very trainable, right? I mean mm-hmm. and and it's always Red Bull's always fast, McLaren's always fast, uh Ferrari can actually be quite fast too but they also you know they always have their pit stops where they also mess up so i think they're a little bit of a mixed bag of things but yeah um it's true uh and and just what we were talking about earlier like how um yeah how watching it on television or watching it live i mean of course it goes really fast so they're already doing really fast pit stops so you're, we're criticizing teams when they're not <laughs> doing a two second pit stops but it's but it's yeah. three seconds it's like you know what are you but then again just like you're saying right now, it does make a difference because, you know, you finish two seconds behind somebody as well. So actually that one second or those two seconds, they do matter. 
Yeah, absolutely. They make up all the difference in the world. Uh, speaking of different teams as well and, and time differences, uh, outside of pit stops, an another just interesting thing that I, that I found was uh, in the race for stop and went from P6 to P1. And Leclerc uh, went to, I think, I believe he, he finished in P6, didn't he? Well, he was disqualified, but yes, you're right. He, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, they, 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 well, they switched places. Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. No, they, it's they true. They switched places. It, and so it I seems like every time when Leclerc gets a gets a pole position, it's Verstappen that wins, or it's well, it's Verstappen who wins regardless of of who gets pole. But yeah, it's it's true. Uh, they switch positions during the race. That's right. Yeah, I gave a little pause there for emphasis. I was waiting for the DQ comment. I mean, <laughs> I guess we should we um, we can get right into it. Let, let's we're, we've been we've been skating around the surface of it, but why don't we just dive in? Um, so we know ultimately that uh, that Hamilton secured second, and uh, and Leclerc secured P four, right? Um, but after the our piece, well, I, I yes, but they were disqualified. Uh, because of the issue regarding the floor. And um, why don't we talk about that? Anton, you have the, the complete specifics when it comes to the plank, the, the, the plank, sorry, the post-race plank checks. Try saying that three times. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So they were disqualified because um, you need to have a minimum thickness of your plank and also of your skip blocks. So the plank is like the, the, the wooden piece below the car and that rule's always been there uh, it's just that they don't always check the plank um it, they can check it but you know there's so many things on the cars that um that can be checked so they uh, they choose not always at random they specifically choose certain things um but when they do choose to check the thickness of the plank they 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 check random cars so in this case they check the cars of um of four different teams so they took uh, Verstappen's car uh, the first Red Bull um, they took Hamilton's car first Mercedes they took Norris's car uh, which was the first McLaren and they took uh, Leclerc's car which is and this is how it shows that it's random that's actually the second uh, finishing uh, Ferrari because Sainz finished fourth well he ended up being third but anyway yeah so um, they checked the the minimum thickness and before the start of the race, it needs to be um, 10 millimeters thick as a minimum um, with a 0.2 millimeter margin. And after the race, it can be shaved off by, by one, um, one millimeter. I couldn't find whether actually the margin of 0.2 still exists after the race. But anyway, yeah. So um, both the Mercedes of Hamilton and the Ferrari of Leclerc were found to be uh, below that thickness. And thus it's basically yeah uh, a slam dunk disqualification um that's simply the rule uh, but it feels a little bit it feels a little bit awkward because it's only four cars that get tested i was personally not aware whether if you know you check four cars you get a 50% fill rate i would assume that at that point you decide that you need to check more cars that apparently doesn't happen i guess there's also a time restraint um but um yeah you would start to wonder um, how many other cars would have been, you know, uh, especially since it's only been one Mercedes and one Ferrari that has been checked, um, you know, to what extent Russell and, and Sainz would have had the same problem. And, um, and you also start to wonder where this problem might occur. So, of course, we know that the Mercedes has a new floor on the car this weekend. Um, they only have one hour of free practice session to actually test that. And 
during that or after that you decide uh, at what ride height that you're going to uh, drive your car you set your car and of course the ride height influences uh, the amount of, of skidding that you're going to get during the race uh, or both during the sprint and the race but of course the race is a little bit longer so you have a little bit more shaving off and um, yeah i feel that because of little practice session time and uh, of course the track is very bumpy um and uh, there was quite a bit of wind uh you know all these things kind of you know coming together probably resulted in 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 hamilton's problem and and in the case of ferrari i guess something similar but in general ferrari don't really need an excuse to mess up so uh, <laughs> yeah i guess something similar for them um but yeah very unfortunate um and i've i've heard many voices saying that it's unfair i don't i don't know but we can uh, I would also like to hear from from you both of you what you think, I, but I personally don't think it's 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 unfair. I mean, you know, the 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 shaving of the plank is determined by by your ride height, and I mean, the the lower you you ride your floor, the more downforce you're gonna get. So the quicker you can be during the race. So you know, if you're gonna have a competition, you need to have rules because you know, without rules, a competition is meaningless. So you need to set certain rules, and of course, if you if you just fall out, because I, I heard that was just an extremely small margin on, on, on Leclerc's uh, plank that, that yeah. didn't. Um, yeah, so, you know, it feels unfair. But then again, you're going to, if you decide to have a competition with rules, um, you're going to stick to it as well. That's just how it works. We've, we've talked about it a few times uh, about the rules and regulations and when they're implemented. And one thing that both you and I have said similarly is the fact that if you're going to have the rules, it's just like really important that they stay, that you try your best to make them stay the same uh, for everybody. And um, I think for for just rules in general with, with this year, and if we map out previous, but we'll just focus on this year, uh, in some cases you have some penalties or situations uh, decisioned and in others you don't. Now, for me personally, I agree with you, Anton, like I said, rules are rules they should be there the only part that sticks me is just the fact that you only select four cars out of the grid now maybe you're right the time constraints but it when how to me it, it just if you have to if like a disqualification is a massive change in the overall results of the race and so if you have like you had said you have four drivers and out of the four 50 percent two of those drivers were deemed to have that issue, uh, were deemed to be disqualified as a result of this, then, I mean, imagine the rest of the grid, if you had actually applied this same rule to the rest of the grid, and what would the results have been at that point? So it's, it's, I, I that's the only part that gets me. I don't know what the right answer would be to implement a fair process for that rule uh, across the board. I do think that if it's there, it should be respected. But at the same time, I don't know how fair it is when you're only looking at four cars out of the entire grid that could potentially have others. And it was just a matter of basically the luck of the draw that defined you finishing and you actually being disqualified. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point that like a disqualification is a pretty serious penalty you know that's like the worst that you are like one of the worst penalties you can have and so I, I don't know it's tough because obviously formula one has so many 
nuanced rules and rules that are sometimes hard to follow, especially in terms of like the technical regulations. And so it would only make it more complicated to kind of add all these edge cases like, oh, if 50% of the people fail the regulation, then we need to test the rest of the grid and whatnot. But I do think it makes you wonder, okay, well, if 50% of the people failed, then what's going on with the rest of the grid? Like are other people, would other people be failing this as well? And I think the stat that I found super interesting was that this was the first instance of illegal plankware since 1994, which it's obviously, you know, almost 20 years ago now. So it, that that also made me wonder, you know, and I, I haven't been keeping up on plankware um, race after race, but like, are they just not checking it that often? Or are people just actually not wearing it down that often? And this was kind of an, an odd instance, or, you know, this, you know, the last few years with the new regulations have just... Uh, increased the chances of plank wear kind of based off of how the cars are set up and whatnot. But I thought that that was also really interesting that we haven't had a single instance of this. And now two cars in one race, 50% of the people tested were disqualified because of it. That's a, that's a really, uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I would have never thought that. Yeah. The other time, actually the, the, the interesting side note here is that the other time when it happened in 94 in spa for Schumacher, that's actually because of uh, Schumacher at that time also being disqualified that actually uh one out of two podiums that max's father ever scored was because of that like <laughs> he actually had one podium genuinely and the other one was uh, because of that i think this was his if i'm not mistaken this was his first podium and then he got one in the same year after that uh, in that in in hungary but uh, but yeah it's a good point uh, i don't think they're being checked very often um i do look into the FOA documents and because they you know there's so many things that they actually uh check um and i think it's also um it's it's i don't know to what extent um it's it's random like the plank check like which races they check it because yeah. one question would be for example singapore was also extremely bumpy um yeah uh, who would have also been disqualified there if they would have checked and like what both of you sam and i were saying uh you check only four cars then again think about it who were the teams that went to the stewards that was mercedes and ferrari i don't think they were the ones to suggest to check more cars because it would have probably been them that would have had other cars disqualified so mm, yeah uh, it's it's all a little bit of a you know an in, uh, intriguing web of 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 um yeah things that hang together and it's it it, it kind of i mean we go away with a i don't know last year united states grand prix i, I went away with a feeling of uh, feeling i don't know that was the the race where um where stroll launched uh, alonso when they weren't teammates yet and uh, you know alonso finished in the points but then after the race uh, has uh, mm. uh, filed a complaint alonso lost his uh, point finishing position um and then a week later they decided actually to turn that back so uh, I, I've been getting a kind of a, a trauma with uh, uh, calculating <laughs> forecast F1 points uh, because last year, <laughs> I mean, last year I calculated everything and I was done. I was and I posted it and then, and then we got this complaint from Haas and then the things were turned around and then a week later I had to redo it again and that's exactly the same thing that happened now because we weren't gonna record a podcast right after the race. I thought, okay, nice. <laughs> You know, there's no controversies during this race. I can do the scores straight away <laughs> and post them. So that's what I did. Um, you know, I, I had the, I made one guy really happy that he won, um, who in the end, 
didn't end up winning, but we'll get to that later. But it's just, I don't know. It, it, in, on the one hand, you know, it feels a little bit unfair. And especially, of course, if you're a Lewis Hamilton or a Charles Leclerc fan, it must feel like, you know, your driver's being singled out. I think it's just, personally, I just think it's unfortunate um, for those mm -hmm. drivers. But, um, yeah, it, you know, it's part of Formula One. You know, you got to check whether cars are within the regulations and there are certain things that you can only check after the race it's it's similar with um with having a liter of, of fuel after the race that you need as a sample and um yeah the guidelines are pretty clear cut if you don't make it you don't make it you're disqualified so um so it's unfortunate and it feels kind of harsh but then again this is also what formula one is and um, I, I guess yeah that's just something that uh, if you don't like it um yeah well i can't do much about it <laughs> I will say the the exciting thing, I guess, or the upside maybe that came from those DSQs was that Logan Sargent got his first points in Formula oh, yeah. One and it was in the US, which was super exciting. But I was I was bummed because it was like anticlimactic in the fact that you found out after the race and so I was kind of happy, but it wasn't the same amount of, you know, exhilaration that would be happening if it if it happened during the actual race itself. You know yeah, what is interesting? I've... This isn't the first time that a Williams driver finishes P12 and gets his first points of the season <laughs> getting a P10. No, really, because in 2019, it was uh, Kubica in uh, in Hungary who finished P12. But then um, both the Alfa Romeos of uh, Raikkonen and Giovinazzi were, were, uh, got penalties after the race and he finished p10 and got his only points i think That's his only right. points of that season so it's 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 quite it's, it's a you know <laughs> it's a crazy it all, stat it, yeah I, that that's a good i'm that's that's something to remember wow that's a that's a stat that comes with a memory but yeah no you're absolutely right that was when he when he scored a point interesting i mean for for logan Sargent, i think that uh for him that this must be an extremely redeeming weekend uh that maybe uh, will help pave a little bit more confidence in the last few races that he has uh, to maybe maybe put himself into more of a positive conversation when it comes to contract renewals for 2024. We'll see. I'm sure he was really happy. <laughs> yeah, maybe it takes also a little bit of pressure off his shoulders and... Um... Mm. You know, uh, I don't know. Uh, that could definitely help him because I, I, I can imagine that it kind of sticks with you that you haven't scored any points yet. So he can he can throw that out the door and, and just focus on the last uh, on the last four races of the season and try to get uh, well, perhaps another point here or there. The other person who was probably really happy about the disqualification, I think, was Checo because him and Hamilton are pretty close. Uh, not as close now, but they were pretty close in terms of the second place in the driver's standings. Um, and I think, you know, uh, Checo was able to move up into fourth and obviously Hamilton not getting the points um, for second was was a pretty big deal. And I think now the gap is 39 points between Hamilton and Checo, which, I mean, it's doable, but kind of a lot to ask um, in the last you know, bit of this season. And so I think that, you know, maybe takes a bit of weight off of his shoulders where I think there's probably a bit of pressure for him to, to ensure that he's P2 yeah, <laughs> in the driver's standings. 
I was gonna say talking about taking pressure off your shoulders uh, going into <laughs> into your home race. No, I I yeah. agree. I mean, if he messes it up now, then uh, well, I don't know. I, to be honest, um, this season hasn't been Checo's best, so let's not talk about it before it's over. But uh, I, I feel like this he can't give away anymore, and he won't. He probably won't. Um, but yeah, there was definitely a couple of drivers that were, um, you know, got a few more points because of it. Um, also, uh, Stroll went from P9 to P7, starting from the pit lane. I think that's quite a, a good yeah. uh, a, a good result when you take it just like that. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, yeah, because of disqualifications. But then again, yeah, that's like we said, that's Formula One. I mean, people also retire their cars and there was only uh, there weren't that many retirements. Actually, we didn't talk too much about the retirements. But of course, we had uh, Piastri and Ocon uh, hit one another on the uh, on, on the on the start. And they both had to retire their cars as a result of that. And uh, we also had Alonso who uh, retired their car. The other... Alonso was, was doing well. Uh, yeah, he, he, was. Really was. he was. He, he was, was at, on fire. He, he was, yeah, he was on. Uh, he was P eight before before the uh, the car. He had to retire the car, and he started from the pit lane. So I, I couldn't imagine where he may have ended up had he have uh, gone throughout the entire race. But you're right; it was a good recovery for uh, Stroll, considering you know his history recently. And one since we're talking about stats uh, during this. Uh, podcast. I'll I'll bring up another one. Uh, <laughs> Esteban Ocon. He didn't finish, but this is uh, he is the driver that's had the most retirements this entire year. So a little bit unfortunate for him. A lot of missed and points he, potentially. I feel like Alpine has had so many retirements over the past years. It's it's yeah. incredible. I mean, last year with mostly Alonso actually, and and not so much hitting Ocon. But yeah, this year has been tough. On, on especially on Ocon, uh, because I think there's, uh, well, yeah, there's a d decent point gap between Gasly and Ocon, but uh, it has to do a lot with retirements. You're right, so um, so that was unfortunate. Um, another last thing to touch upon, I think, is on the two Alpha Tauri drivers, where uh, Yuki, well, not only did he get fastest lap on the last lap, um, but um, yeah, finishing P10, uh, he. Well, he got promoted to P8 um, because of the disqualifications. So that was really cool. But what I um, what I noticed was that... Um, uh, I know because... what you're going to say. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, okay. I, well, I hope I'm right. I, I okay, feel like... Okay, what am I going to knowing... say? Let's see. <laughs> you're going to mention about how they both went on softs at the end to compete for fastest lap. Exactly. And <laughs> Ricardo going on, on softs was... To take fastest lap but not necessarily to score that point because he wasn't going to finish in the top 10 i felt that at that time it was purely and alone to take away the fastest lap from one of the uh, mercedes's or well basically lewis hamilton who was on fire who was on medium tires i think on relatively the most fresh tires of the of the whole field and i felt like uh, alpha tauri did that to take away the point from mercedes in the battle uh, of of well Hamilton and Perez and to make sure he wouldn't get so they were I think Red Bull was getting slightly nervous there and there was some communication between the two teams at least that's what I feel like because what would otherwise be the reason for Ricardo Ricardo was on a on a one stop for a long time or at least that's what I thought because he started on mediums went to hards and then um, 
I learned after the race that uh, Franz Tos was saying that he was also nurturing some sort of a, a brake issue, or it might not have been brakes, but something else. But he did have some issues, um, so he didn't have the nicest race of of everyone. But in the end, it was Yuki who <laughs> decided to pit as well because he had enough. Um, he, he had a big gap towards Albon behind him, and um, and yeah, took that. Uh, took that fastest lap point. So initially we thought he ended up uh, with two points, but uh, he ends up with five points. So uh, it's, a, it's a pretty good weekend for Yuki, best result uh, for him this season. And, um, you know, he his previous best result was P10 and with Lawson finishing P9. Um, I think uh, I think Yuki needed this. Uh, it's, a, it's a little boost of confidence because that Alpha Tauri is still not very, very quick. So all in all, I think uh, getting five points and um yeah more than uh, more than deserved actually because he had a good race and um and he didn't have that easy of a weekend but um but by qualifying 11th he 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 got himself a good uh yeah a good outlook on this race and uh yeah good result uh, in the bag yeah absolutely all right so I, I think that pretty much covers everything when it comes to the weekend's results uh is there anything else that either of you want to bring up i guess the only thing that that we didn't fully hit on i mean we talked about leclerc's dnf was just their ferrari's decision to to put him on a one-stop strategy and just before the dsq i think it it, it was just painful i mean sam you did hit on it that he went from one to six but it was just painful to see how mercedes just did not give him the optimal or sorry how ferrari did not give him the optimal strategy whatsoever um and to see him then have to be passed by his teammate was also super painful and i don't know i just feel like I don't know what it is like Charles just cannot catch a break and i, I it's just kind of pains me to see it because it seems like he's in such a good position and then nothing can come together for him on race day. Yeah. I still, I, I, I still admire Ferrari for choosing different strategies. Like I said, just as they did with the sprint, but they're also kind of always the outlier, like, you know, with the, with the sprint signs is the only one on softs. And like you said, in the end, Leclerc ends up being the only driver on a one stop in the race. It's, it's just, I don't know. It, it, it feels awkward too. You're right. They're also one of the only teams that use like every letter in the alphabet for <laughs> a million plans that they have in every race weekend. You know, I, I don't know how they must have fantastic memories because uh, when you heard him, like you were saying, Maeve, it was too little too late at the end there for, for strategy, at least to how he was expressing it on the team radio, because they'd asked him, do you want to do plan C or plan D? And he, he clearly expressed his frustration about it. But I, every, every time you hear them on the radio, it's, it's plan A, plan D, plan C. I don't know how many plans there are when they come into a race weekend. <laughs> yeah, I think towards the end of the race, they suggested for him to still switch to a two-stop. And he was like, wait, that's way too late, right? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It, it's, it's confusing. And like you said, it's, I also sometimes kind of wonder to what extent were you know, those radio messages of Ferrari are being you know, zoned out and that those are the ones that we hear. I, I feel right. like there's, there's other teams that also have uh, oh, a pretty yeah. lengthy amount of different possible strategies and we don't hear about them. 
but uh, but it does it does seem slightly funny how they toggle between yeah between the different ones and 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 you know I don't know it was a couple of races ago where Sainz forgot which 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 one was yeah. and, <laughs> that was know, funny yeah 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 funny to us but not if you're a Ferrari no not not if you're I suppose no I mean Verstappen or in was... the car yeah oh yeah i think it's it's uh the the team radio sometimes they can be quite entertaining as we all know i mean i was actually thinking about this today uh so it's ironic that we're talking about it but uh you'll be the commentators will be speaking even during like the commentators will be speaking whoever is there and then the moment you hear that noise and you're watching it (laughs) everybody just (laughs) dead silence because you're just waiting to hear whatever team radio uh, message is going to come on for what whoever they're showing so it really adds this element you you only get to see bits and pieces so uh you don't really see all the teams like you said and, and what they say but we always hang on to exactly what is happening or, or what that message is actually going to say sometimes it's and and then always the reaction afterwards from the commentators <laughs> hanging on for that last word so it's uh it's it's definitely interesting and here we are talking about it right so Okay, so it is that time, as it always is, every race weekend. Let's get into the scores. So, Anton, let's start. As always, how many people played this weekend? We had 464 people playing this weekend, and we had an average score of 61.3, which is actually the second highest after the Belgium Grand Prix, which was also a sprint race. And um, just to... um, well, just to hit it off, how many uh, people do you think had a correct sprint podium predicted with uh, P1 for stop and P2 Hamilton, P3 Leclerc? Sam, you go first. I think there's going to be a few. <laughs> I'll say five. Maeve? Um, I feel like I was going to guess. Uh, yeah, I was going to guess much higher than that, but I'll just, whatever, I'll just say 20. It's actually lower than that. It was only three people who got it. Oh, right. wow. Uh, That's kind of yeah. surprising. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. It is. It is. With a podium like that for stopping Hamilton Leclerc, you would say that there's more people who, who go with that. But it was only uh, Raymond Osala from the Philippines, Robert Hutter from Austria, and Theo Nguyen from France. So then we go to the race podium. How many people do you think had for stopping Norris signs for the, the, the actual podium that we, we ended up with? I. I don't know. I feel like it was kind of an unexpected podium, especially given that it didn't happen like throughout the course of the race. So maybe 10, that might be too high also. I don't know. I'll I'll just go with 10. You know what? I'm, I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to go a little higher. I'm going to say 18. Ooh, that's pretty close. It was only 16 people. Oh, wow. So, but you were both kind of close in the end. Um, <laughs> and, and I also checked how many people had the uh, initial podium uh, correct. So uh, with initial podium, I mean, uh, uh, without the disqualification. So there were 24 people who had a Verstappen Hamilton Norris podium. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, talking about initial podiums, uh, one of the persons who had that initial podium correct 
is uh, Sebastian Furtic, who would have scored exactly 100 points for the game. Wow. Wouldn't we have had the disqualifications? <laughs> um, so, oh. yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry for uh, for Sebastian. Um, and um, But, of course, yeah, when we have uh, people who feel slightly bad, we also have people who feel uh, a little bit better because we actually have the winner of the Forecast F1 weekend in our podcast Maeve <laughs> you won the weekend I was literally so shocked when you told me that I won the weekend especially uh because I did I I submitted my results or my predictions extremely last minute so I feel like I was just a very quick uh gut check of it I I didn't really think about it too hard so especially given that um I was very Surprise, but also very excited. Yeah, yeah. I was literally mid-flight, and I was like, I don't have Wi-Fi, so I have to text you. I only like texting or whatever, so I could only text in my results um, or my predictions. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Pretty exciting. This is a pretty, pretty big peak right here. That's awesome. That's that's so great. (laughs) Interestingly, you're not the first player to both be at the race and win the weekend because really? um, when we went to when yes. we went to Canada it's on won the weekend and she was with us so uh, that's not a first but there is another first you're the first forecast f1 player to win his home race <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> that's yeah. true i didn't even think about that aspect of it that makes it extra yeah, awesome that's all, all these all these things that we're talking about today that are related to to first and uh or that that's awesome yeah, I don't know why everyone's talking about Logan scoring his first home points, but I think this is much more. This is even much more exciting. Exactly. I, I was one of the people shouting for Logan getting points. So to be honest, I was happy with both. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's a great result. Uh, you actually had you had a lot of places uh, correct. You had uh, uh, you had a correct podium with the actual podium that we ended up with. Uh, you also had uh, Perez on P4, which is the position that he finally got. Uh, you had Russell on P6, which was also correct. You had Albon on P9, which was also correct. Um, we didn't talk about Albon, but he also got promoted from P11 to P9. So yeah, uh, that got you 77 points in the race, and you had 17 sprint points, so that got your total to 94 points. And um, and that actually meant that you outscored number two by 3.2 points. Um, number two was uh, Ricardo Tosi from Italy. He had a correct P1, P2, P4, and P6. Uh, scored 64.8 points during the race and 27 sprint points. So um, he actually he was he had the second most sprint points out of everybody and uh, finished with a total of 91.8 points. And um, third is somebody from Argentina who has a beautiful first name. His name is Ayrton Woodrich. Um, and um, yeah, he plays together with his brother, uh, outscored his brother by a lot. He scored 87 <laughs> points in total, uh, 62 in the race, 25 in the sprint. So that got him the last podium position. Um, for high scores, actually, uh, looking at the worldwide top 20 high scores, Maeve, you are now at P7 uh, with your 94 wow. points. And, Very uh, nice. Yeah, that's a, it's a really good result. Ricardo Tosi is now on P11. Actually, um, Maeve, in the North American section of high scores, you're not first because our previous um, podcast uh, guest, uh, Jesse Coro, is still first. He scored, um, if I'm not mistaken, it was 102 points he scored. And so, um, yeah, you're, you're second in that list. 
but uh, but I'll yeah. take it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would too. Um, looking at the full competition, um, Jesus Diaz from Uruguay, who was first uh, before this race, he's still first. He scored 54 points. Tobias Choli from France scored 72. So he actually gains uh, a lot of uh, points back. They now, they're now the only two players who have scored over a thousand points. Um, so um, it's thousand nine and a half for Jesus and thousand one point one for Tobias. So there's actually only a difference of eight point four points. Still pretty close. So even though we don't have that much of an exciting championship yet left in Formula One for Forecast F1, it's it's still pretty exciting. Um, Jordan Watt from Zimbabwe drops from P3 to P6. So that means we have a new P3 after this weekend, who is uh, Friso Hofker from the Netherlands. Um, who's actually my cousin. So, um, yeah. That's awesome. Set him up, Friso. You can always win. And um, yeah, that's the uh, overall championship. We have, um, well, looking at uh, your score, Maeve. So you were previously on P369 in the championship. You now move up uh, quite a lot of places. You move up 36 places. So you're at P333, a lot of threes. Um, Sam, we now get to you. I initially thought I had outscored you by four <laughs> points. Um, I was already mid-celebrating that. But with the, with the disqualifications, things, well, things changed, obviously. Uh, and actually, you, you beat me. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, uh, I guess that's, uh, that's my present to you on your birthday. Um, <laughs> no, but... Um, take that small win, thank you. you. Yeah, you went with a podium of um, Verstappen, Norris, Piastri. And um, uh, yeah, so that you know, Norris moving up to P two. Yeah, actually, that's right. You mm -hmm. had signs P four, and you had Russell on P five. So you actually scored, uh, um, yeah, you scored a decent amount of points. Of course, with signs P four, that's only fifty percent of the points. You would have scored full points with that if he if we would have stayed on on P four, but he moved up to P three. Um, me, I went with the Verstappen Norris Perez uh, podium. Um, so um, yeah. Um, Sam, you, you scored 74.1 points, which means you're 43rd in this weekend. And you move up from P85, where you were after last Qatar's race, uh, you move up to P69. Nice number. Um, nice. So, yeah, you moved up quite a lot of places, too. Um, myself, I scored 68.3. And um, it's actually interesting, I, because with a lot of people, I checked the difference between the scores pre-disqualification and post-disqualification. And with a lot of people, it made quite a lot of difference. For myself, it was a difference between scoring 68 points or scoring 68.25. So it was a, a very small difference. Um, but yeah, uh, I ended up being P132 this weekend and I move up from P59 to P55, which brings us to the quiz of this weekend. And um, I don't know, do you girls remember last time after the, the that was the Dutch Grand Prix you played the quiz against one another? Do you remember the result? Oh, but I believe Maeve, you definitely won. I thought it was pretty close. Did I, I think I may have won by like one question? I think yeah, I think it was. I think it was close. I I remember you winning, but I I think we had a little bit of a battle. But Anton, why? I know you've got the scores there, so let's hear it. <laughs> no, it was it was indeed very very close. You actually drew. And um, I invented this like extra <laughs> question, funny. which yeah. which we which we agreed upon that wouldn't really count because uh, Maeve said that she would lose on purpose, so uh, just to be invited <laughs> back. 
So, well, here you are back and here your girls are there to settle it, to settle the score. So, um, nice. so, so let's uh, pick it off and uh, start with um, obviously P1 for stopping. And um, I want to hear from uh, both of you how many people had that correctly predicted. Sam, what do you think? We had 464 people playing the game. Let that be a reminder. <laughs> I'm going to say 401. Mm, yeah, I was going to guess something close to that. I'll say 415. All right, that means that first point is going Maeve's way because it was 433 people. Um, so actually, uh, yeah, pretty pretty close, only 18, uh, 18 away. So um, that's the first point for by you. Um, P2, Norris, and you can kick off that one. Okay. Uh, I mean, I feel like the Verstappen one is the easiest, easiest question of the <laughs> yeah, whole yeah, quiz. It is. <laughs> Shoot, it gets like infinitely harder as you go down. Norris P2. Oh, yeah. It, and it will get harder, I tell you that. Yeah. Norris P2, I will say 200 people. I think that's probably way too high, but he's been doing well lately. So we'll go with that. All right. I'm going to say 85. 85 would have been very close to the amount of people that had him on P3, which was 99 people. But mm. uh, this point goes to Maeve as well because wow. it was a lot of people. Yeah, it was 218 people that oh, had him on wow. P3. He was, a, he was the preferred P2 uh, That's vote, wild. basically. So, yeah, yeah, it is wild. Um, so that's two against nil. We go to <laughs> three <Yes>. times. <laughs> okay, I, I guess it's my go. Um, oh, it so is. This is... <laughs> Be three signs. All right, I'm going to say sixty-four. Yeah, I feel like this one probably isn't as popular. Maybe I'll do fifty. Sam, you got a lot of catching up to do because this oh, one no. <laughs> goes to Maeve again. It was it was only a forty people. So, wow! Uh, so both okay. of you were were quite uh, yeah. You, it wasn't a bad guess from either one, but um, yeah, even fewer. So uh, yeah, only forty people, which brings us to um, another tough one. Um, P four Pires. All right. Okay, so. I don't know. This one's tricky because I feel like I used to always overestimate his abilities, but I feel like people might be like rating him lower more recently. So I don't know. I'll guess. I'll guess. Um, I'll guess thirty-five. Twenty-six. Oh, 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 yeah. This is going. Uh, this is going the wrong way, Sam. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> It was uh, it was forty six people. So um, wow. So yeah, that, that's another point for me. I feel like um, I'm I, I feel like I'm Ocon. I I hit Piastri <laughs> right at the start. I'm just yeah, having well, you, you a know, I'm just having a lucky weekend for some reason. <laughs> yeah, usually I make fun of Sam, but uh, I mean it's your birthday, so I shouldn't. But uh, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'll just let you <laughs> guess the next one, which is uh, which is Russell on P five. 
Russell P5. Well, I, I think at this point, I mean, I can just go for anything. Let's just yeah, let, throw out let a this number. Let's be your and lucky say, one. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say 32. Uh, I'm going to guess um, 20. Sam, that's your first point. Wow. There we go. It's, just uh, just it, winging it, it at this point. It was yeah, <laughs> winging it indeed. It was eighty-seven people, so quite wow. a lot with uh, had Russell a, there. Yeah, more than I expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I guess uh, I don't know. Uh, lots of people have the Mercedes around the the yeah around those spots. Um, we're gonna go to um, the only Alpine that finished in the points, which was uh, Gasly, also the only Alpine that finished the race. Maeve. Yeah, I feel like this must be pretty low because I would never guess an Alpine to be in P6. So this might be insane. I'm going to guess like three. Okay. I'm going to go, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to go just a little bit up from you and say eight. Maeve, you're really right. It is your lucky weekend. I mean, you, you won the you won the forecast uh, weekend and you got this one right. It was three people. Whoa. Very nice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think that calls for uh, uh, calling the names of those three people that uh, had it, which is what we always do when it's only very few people. So it was uh, Victor Mieses from uh, the Dominican Republic, Francois Waldeck from South Africa, and Manuel Marchi from Argentina, who were the only three people who had gas lead there on that spot on P6, which brings us to Sam, your countryman, your fellow countryman. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to say that nobody chose him in this spot. Yeah, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good guess. So I'll just guess one. Okay, Maeve, you're you're really doing a good job. It's one. Oh my god! Wow! Wow! This is crazy. <laughs> it really is your lucky weekend. This is awesome. Yeah, it, it it's incredible. So it's um it's six against one, um, which means uh yeah, it's uh it's it's going to be impossible for you to win it, Sam. But there's still a lot of honor to be to be um gained here. Oh yeah. Um, oh, what, we go the, to. <laughs> this is interesting. Okay. Uh, let me first actually mention who it was uh, Alejandra Bordach from uh, Uruguay who had straw, who was the only person who had straw on P7. I checked, there was actually somebody who had straw on P6, but uh, but yeah, even as P7, that's the only correct answer. Um, we move on to the highest finishing Alpha Tauri, which was Tsunoda on P8, Maeve. Uh, I feel like this one also has to be. Kind of lower. Um, I'll guess four. Okay. Um, I was going to say two. Okay, that one's even then between the two of you because it was oh. three. So I'll I'll give you wow. I'll both give you a point for that. But uh, you you're actually very good at guessing uh, this round, both of you. Um, yeah, the I only three people. I don't know what happened. I was really bad last time. I feel like so. I don't know. Well, you're making up for it. Uh, the only the only three people who had that right was uh, Miriam El Falagi from Morocco, Elias Contam from France, and. Again, Alejandra Bordak from Uruguay, who had both Stroll on P7 and Tsunoda on P8, which wow. is, uh, yeah, that, that does deserve a, a wow. Um, we move on to um, 
one out of two Williamses that finished in the points. This is Albon on P9. Sam. I'm going to say 12. No, yeah, you know what? I'll stick to 12. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Albon, I feel like, is someone people always throw in like P9, P10. Um, so I'll, I'll guess 15. Yeah, there was a little bit more people who went with Albon on P9. It was actually 25 people. So oh, wow. yeah, that point, point also goes to Maeve. Um, uh, I'm really starting to think what you're, I'm going to ask you after this uh, recording what your predictions will be for the Mexican Grand Prix. And I might <laughs> copy them. <because> <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, we go to Sargent on P10. How many people predicted Sargent to score his first points on the P10 position? Uh, this one's also tricky because I feel like maybe people would just kind of like I feel like P10 people. I mean, I always just put a random driver there. So maybe a lot of people put him there as a random driver. So um, I'll guess eight people. If I'm not mistaken, you actually had Albon yourself on P10 this weekend. But uh, that's what my memory tells me from copying your prediction. But uh, all right. Sam, how many? I'm going to say, I was originally going to say none, but maybe good, make a good point. Just the fact that people will just put somebody on there sometimes because it's one point and also it's his home race. So with that being considered, I'm going to say two. What did Maeve say actually? Because I was talking a lot, but I didn't actually write down what you, what you said. I think I said eight. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, again, amazingly close. It was seven people. Oh, wow. And there's actually, I'm not going to uh, read out loud seven people, um, but I do want to uh, say that there's actually, there's one guy, Kevin Darapai from Indonesia, who has put Sargent consistently on P10 throughout the whole season. So he finally gets his first points for Sargent on P10. I, f I felt that that was uh, worthy of a mention. Also, he has put in Hülkenberg on the podium for every <laughs> prediction this uh, this season. Oh Hasn't scored po points there yet, but, uh, but you know, there's still four races to go. So, uh, yeah, again, this point goes to you, Maeve, again. Um, we finish off with fastest lap, which went to Tsunoda. And uh, Sam, you can tell me how many people got that. Because I was going to pick Sonoda this weekend for fastest lap, and I didn't. But it doesn't matter because it wasn't my pick. But I think there are definitely going to be a few that did. So I'm going to stick to the number seven. Um. Okay. I feel like I would never guess Sonoda's fastest lap. Um. So I'll guess three. You're again very very close. It was only two people. So uh, yeah, also at that point probably goes the closest. To... Like in I mean, you'd have to go back and check Anton, but I think this is the closest that uh, anyone's had in terms of consistency on their picks. Like I, I think <laughs> that you definitely take it. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure too. I think if you would count the amount of um, people that you're off each time and add them up for all the eleven questions, I, I'm I'm pretty sure. 
well, that's going to be a tough job for me to actually track yeah. that back and do that. <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't think I even need to. I'm pretty sure you'll win that one. I'm, I'm, I'm really pretty, pretty sure. Uh, it was very accurate guesses. So, yeah, you end up with uh, 10 against 12. You'd say that's not possible, but we gave out two points for the Tsunoda question uh, because you both got a point there. So, yeah, I guess the, the draw from, uh, from after the Dutch Grand Prix has been uh, settled once and for all. Unless, unless Sam, you want to get back at uh, May for another time. Uh, that's uh, certainly possible. <laughs> yes, it was uh, definitely definitely a, a solid result for Maeve here. And hopefully uh, you're able to carry that into next week because that's definitely all around a great weekend. I should just make my, as you said, like I should just make my predictions for Mexico today because uh, clearly there's something going on with this weekend where I'm just having good luck. Well, be my guest. I think it's a very good idea to, to make them today. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it hasn't ever happened yet to have um, uh, the same winner twice in it. Well, we had that actually in the very beginning when we only played this game with four people, but that doesn't really count. So let's say starting from where more people start to play, we've never had a repeat winner. So, uh, so you know, I dare to I dare you to catch that title. If if you if you win, you're definitely on next podcast again. <laughs> that would be awesome. But uh, just to make things clear, this wasn't like set up. I mean, we didn't invite you to be on because you won the weekend. Like we had already planned you to be on, and then you won the weekend. I mean, we knew at very last minute, obviously. Uh, after the disqualifications, which turned everything around, so uh, so yeah, that that feels like a bit of a coincidence anyway. And then um, yeah, you, you did very well in the quiz too. So yeah, congratulations. Thank you, Sam. What do you think? Uh, because uh, of course, you know, uh, looking for we only have a few days. We're recording now on on Monday evening. Uh, we have not so much time left until the clock runs down for the Mexican Grand Prix. What do you? What are your feelings what are your thoughts yeah so i am excited about mexico i i love this track i always find uh for uh, visually when you're watching it i've obviously never been there uh, but to see it from i guess for the fans for that perspective the way it's set up the track itself it's really really cool to to watch so I'm really, really looking forward to it, and uh, and it's it's going to be nice. It'll be an afternoon race for us to watch, so that's not a bad thing as well. Maeve, what what are you looking forward to for next weekend? That's a great question. I I agree that the timing of it is actually going to be pretty nice, especially being um, on the Pacific time zone. It's a noon race, and I'm actually in the correct time zone to watch all free practice sessions, which will be exciting. Uh, that doesn't happen too often. I don't know. I think the the just energy around the Mexico uh, GP is always really exciting. I feel like it's always a very high energy race. So I don't know. I'm just kind of looking forward to that aspect of it all. Yeah, it is exciting, and also because the track is, uh, you know, a much higher altitude, it also changes um, changes some things around a little bit. We saw last year that uh, cars with, you know, with high drag, uh, or sorry, with high, uh, yeah, um, for example, Mercedes did pretty well um, going into but both Mexico and, of course, they won in Brazil, which is also relatively high altitude. But um, but that's going to be exciting. Might uh, switch things up a little bit. Um, hopefully does. Uh, looking forward to it. And um, 
yeah um, luckily we don't have to wait very long it's actually a, a triple header it's uh, you know it's going to mm -hmm. be brazil right after um which is again a sprint weekend so um, you know the these these three weeks are packed with formula one and then um yeah, then we're almost uh, headed towards the end of the season. Obviously, not before racing in Vegas and, um, of course, the Abu Dhabi race. But, um, but yeah, let's focus on Mexico first. Hopefully, we get to see uh, a spectacle. I think we we normally do. We we definitely do. And let's see let's see what happens with Checo. Could you imagine if? Uh, I mean, he had a pretty pretty great race last year, and I mean, if if he's going to make a, a comeback after the last little bit and the, and the difficulties that he's faced, wouldn't that be something if he did it in his, on his home soil? Would be indeed. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on the, the podcast again, Maeve. It was a pleasure. It was nice to have you. And uh, I'm pretty sure we'll have you on uh, another time soon. And um, well, I'm looking forward to see your picks come in. I, th I think I'm the only one that has the advantage <laughs> of being able to see everyone's picks. So uh, no, uh, like, <laughs> that doesn't really influence me, but it does make it a little bit hard. I think it'll be <laughs> yeah no thank you thank you both for for inviting me on again it was super fun to chat about it especially since um yeah i was able to go in person and everything and special treat with the fact that i was able to do pretty well with the quiz and with the um predictions this weekend so yeah all in all pretty awesome weekend for me i guess and and thanks for having me on yeah, it's been awesome. And uh, we look we look towards Vegas as well. That'll be the last race in the States also. Yeah, that's going to be a crazy one. I'm, I'm excited to see that just from the, just to see how it all is going to turn the out. The work that they're putting, they're putting in as well. I, I saw some pictures this week from the, from some of the things, the stands that they're installing. It, it looks like it's going to be pretty crazy. It, it'll be interesting the track wise to see how competitive it is. But yeah. I mean, just from a from a visual standpoint, I I imagine, like you said, it's going to be pretty crazy. <laughs> I feel like it has quite a, a lot of uh, straights, no, doesn't it? Like if you look at the track, um, it's, it's well, I you definitely know. have the main the main uh, the main strip of yeah, of uh, in Vegas yeah. that's going to be a straight, which is really going to be yeah. Like I, I don't know if um, have either of you been to Vegas before? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> you hesitated on that. <laughs> well, you as you know, like the to to picture just the the actual uh main Vegas strip and how lit up it is with all the with all the lights and everything yeah. and to think a night race with with the cars going down. I don't know, it's going to be it's going to be something that's going to be quite wild and unlike other other tracks on the calendar, that's for sure. Yeah. I think the as you said, the spectacle of it all is going to be insane. And I think like watching that on TV, I think it's going to be crazy with like the fountains and the lights and, and everything. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. Cause I think there's been a lot of hype around it. And I think fans are kind of split on it. The drivers seem excited for it, honestly. So I'm just, ex I'm just interested to see like, is it a success or not? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it is very exciting to do it at least once, but what I kind of wonder is if it's the kind of yeah. thing that we want to see every, every season, because I, I just kind of wonder if, in case the race is not that good, if the track layout, I was looking at the track layout for quite a couple of times, and then only uh, very recently I realized that it's actually anti-clockwise, I always 
thought it was like clockwise so that kind of switched the whole thing up again but i don't know i, I feel like if you know of course as a spectacle it's it's, it's going to be huge it's going to be big but then again uh, it's also because it's the first time and i wonder how that like plays off in the next couple of seasons but uh, but that's that's something for the future anyway. yeah absolutely and we look forward to it